like you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> Last time I had the opportunity to speak to you uh, on a Sunday morning, of course, we've had Wednesday night service since then. The last time we got together and I was able to speak to you on a Sunday morning was a couple of weeks ago because uh, we had a guest speaker last week. And a couple of weeks ago, we, we heard from the Spirit, we heard from the Word of God. Um, basically, uh, if, to sum it up, God is not a man. And he goes on and says, I'm not a man that I should lie. In other words, I'm not a man, so I don't lie. I keep my word. My ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. So don't try to put God in the box that you put people in. God is not easily thrown off of his word. In fact, he's never thrown off of his word. You can't get him to break his promises. He can't do it. You can't annoy him enough. You can't tick him off enough. You can't bother him enough that he'll stop being God. So here, in continuing that thought, just just think about what he says in Isaiah 55. My ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. He says, as the heavens are above the earth, so my thoughts are higher than yours. That's high, isn't it? Especially for, I mean, come on, we, we, we've grown up in an age of technology where we understand, we know what's up there, but think about the people that he's talking to when he said that. They can't even comprehend what's beyond the clouds. He says, my thoughts are that much higher. Imagine if he talked to us today, he might... He might use even different language. He might, I mean, he is still talking to us today, but I mean, if he was talking to Canadians in 2014 when he originally wrote this or, you know, had the prophet Isaiah prophesy, he might have he named some, some, some galaxies and things that we had no comprehension about and saying, as far as you are from that, that's how far away your thoughts are from my thoughts. Now, the good news here is, the good news here is, even though he is he's that much above our thoughts, he's that much above our ways, that through the Spirit of God, he's called you to think like he thinks and be like he is. You can't do that naturally. We all understand that uh, we are, when you look at the human mind from a medical standpoint, it's a beautiful thing, it's an amazing thing. The human brain is a marvel, it's a wonder. And the more we discover of it, the more we realize we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But even saying that, the human mind is extremely limited. You will always be a human mind. It's only got so much capacity. And guys, it's not like your computer. You can't put a memory upgrade there. You can't put a storage upgrade. You can't put more RAM in that thing. Your brain is your brain is your brain. It's as big as it's going to get, right? Without a severe medical condition, that's not going to help you. Your brain's as big as it's going to get. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's the, it's the most amazing computer that the earth has ever known is your brain. And there's a lot more to it than just computing. But it still cannot, cannot even come close, not even a fraction of holding all of the wisdom and the information that you need to walk in this life following after God. You can't comprehend God with that little brain. I'm not trying to offend everybody because I'm putting myself in the same category as you. We all got these brains. They're wonderful. But God is way bigger than our brains. And so it's a problem when you try to fit God into your small area of thinking or expertise or knowledge or experience. God doesn't fit into that. He will never fit into that. Because if you had a God that you could fully comprehend with your mind, he would not be a God at all. Right? He'd be really small. You don't even fully comprehend your dog. Come on, let alone God. 
I mean, if you want to challenge me on that, we'll just see how much you know about, not just your dog, and oh, I know he likes treats. Everybody knows he likes treats. I'm talking about, you know what I mean? I mean, if you think about what's going on inside that dog's body, that dog's mind, I mean, there's so many things. What does the dog dream? That's just a dog. Now think of God. He's so much greater, so much higher. That's why you could not be reasoned into the faith. Reason is good. It's good to have knowledge. But you didn't get saved because someone won an argument. Right? See, if that was the case, I don't even know if you'd be really be saved at all. Because it's not, it's not giving in to an argument that got you born again. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need faith to get saved. And so you can, you can win an argument in the mall and have somebody repeat this prayer after me. But if they don't have faith, there's no salvation. So there had to be something bigger. And the Bible says later in, this, in, this, in 1 Corinthians 4, he goes on and says, The God of this world has blinded the eyes and the hearts of those that don't believe. So the issue when we don't believe is not that nobody's preached the right message to us. It's not that nobody's given us the right information. The issue when we don't believe is that our eyes still aren't open to it. We can't see what God sees. You think about what happened when the prophet Elisha was was waiting in that city. And surrounding that city was an army that had come. A a A whole unit had come to capture one man, one old man. And he's not freaking out, but his, his assistant is freaking out. That's how it often works. The assistant's going crazy. Because you know what? Sometimes we don't communicate everything to the assistant. And the assistant says, I wish you'd text me about this. Because I'm freaking out right now. And Elisha's assistant's freaking out. Why aren't you freaking out too? And Elisha says, Lord, will you open his eyes? And when the Lord opens his eyes to what's happening in the spiritual realm, he sees an army of heaven surrounding the city. One of those angels with his pinky could have wiped out the whole army. But God is a God of overkill and abundance. And he sends a whole army with with chariots of fire. and, And they're surrounding the city. And he says, see, there's more for us than there are against us. And here's the thing. When we see that, we recognize that The facts didn't change. God didn't call reinforcements. They were already there. What changed was his eyes were open to see what was already there. So when we get saved, when we get saved, it's God opening your eyes to see what you didn't see before. When you you receive the word of God, it's God opening your eyes. Now, I want to read you something from 1 Corinthians 2. This will be familiar to most of you, but... Thank God. When we read something familiar, do you trust that God can open your eyes to something new? Or even something that's not new, but it'll be alive to you and fresh to you in a way that you haven't had it before. I'll tell you from my own experience that I can hear, there are scriptures I've heard two dozen, three dozen times. There are scriptures I've heard hundreds of times. And then it's in a moment, you guys know what this is like, where the Lord finally, the Lord opens your eyes and there's revelation and it clicks and all of a sudden it's not just something you got up in your brain, it's something that is causing your life to function. It's causing things to come alive in you. It's waking things up. It's, it's, it's causing things to grow that you didn't even know were there. 
That's an amazing thing. That comes from revelation. Now, we use a lot of Christian terms, and maybe you've been saved for so long that revelation is in your back pocket. You bring that word out all the time. Some of you may be new enough to this that you say, I keep hearing people say revelation. I don't know what that means. I mean, I could say, we could be talking about the apocalypse, and uh, as you know, the word apocalypse, apocalypse is, it comes from a Greek word. It's the Greek word which means to reveal, to uncover. Let's just break revelation apart. Revelation just means to reveal. So if something's hidden, revelation is when that thing is uncovered. Now you have to know that all of this stuff in the Bible is so far beyond what we could comprehend. You think about it. This is the word of God spoken through men and women to human beings, but still you can't grasp it without the spirit of God. So he says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1, he says, when I first came to you, I did not come in superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Just to catch you up, in the last chapter, he has already said to them, if by the wisdom of God, the world could come to know God, they would have known God. You see, throughout history, Every nation and every culture has been trying to find God. That's why wherever you go, you find remnants of it. You find, you know, religions and rituals and, and, and things that people would do to try to get to God, but it never worked. They might have a transcendent experience. They might have an experience with the supernatural. And often it was an evil spirit disguising himself as an angel of light to deceive them and to keep them in bondage. But in the wisdom of the world, everyone's trying to find that greater purpose. The greatest minds in history have been trying to find the purpose, the reason, the cause for our existence. And he says, God says, the wisest that you have, the wisest men that have ever lived, the wisest women that have ever lived, none of them could ever find me. You couldn't find me in your own wisdom. Now that's important. Because if we couldn't find God in our wisdom... We can't abide in him in our own wisdom. Why is it that we understand our own limitations when we get saved? Without you, oh, I, 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 couldn't have, I couldn't have received the gospel without the Holy Spirit. I couldn't have understood this unless he revealed it to me. And then you get mature and you get grown up and, and you switch the spirit off and you start switching the brain on again and say, you know, the brain is important, but it's not the leader. It's sub submitted to the spirit. Your spirit is not stupid. Your spirit is tapped into the very heart of God. Your brain, you're going to need it. God gave it to you. God wants you to grow in wisdom and knowledge. But it's the true knowledge of him. So he says in, in 1 Corinthians 1, he said that all the wisdom of the world, in all their wisdom, they couldn't find me. And then now he says, I made sure I didn't come to you in fancy words. I made sure I didn't come to you showing off my, my fancy speech. I made sure that when I came, you would see the Spirit of God and a demonstration of the power of God and that your faith would not rest on me. It wouldn't rest on a, on a good teacher, but it would rest on God. Now, it goes on and he says this. 
Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Now, here's the cool thing. Mystery is a great word in the Bible. Mystery in the Bible never is talking about, oh, somebody murdered this person, let's figure out who it is. Mystery is never talking about something's weird. Come on, Shaggy. Come on, Scooby-Doo. Let's figure out what's going on. Something's haunting. the. the, the oh, it's just the old caretaker. That's never what mystery is in the Bible. Mystery in the Bible is, not, is nothing that you could ever solve. In the Bible, mystery is always something that God knows that people don't know. And that no matter how hard you try, you can never figure it out unless he shows it to you. Unless he reveals it to you. So all throughout the Old and the New Testament, you see the word reveal, revelation, manifestation. And what he's talking about is an uncovering of things that have been hidden. And some things, he says, I hid for a certain period of time. Some things were hidden. You know, Peter talks about all of these prophets. You know, can you imagine being Isaiah? Isaiah who prophesied about the, the, the Messiah more than anybody else. He's talking about this, this redeemer will come from Zion. He's talking about the suffering servant. He's talking about by his stripes we were healed, we are healed. Can you imagine saying that and hearing it come out of your mouth and then going, what in the world did I say? And go in, and the, Peter says they searched every scroll they had. They searched every book they had. They made careful inquiries trying to figure out who they were talking about. Can you imagine what you'd feel like? You just prophesied about a Messiah that was coming to set people free. A Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. You just prophesied about this. You'd kind of be curious as to who this is. But the Bible says that he hid that until our day. Well, when I say our day, I mean everywhere for everyone that came after, after Jesus. When Jesus died and rose again on our behalf and gave us the Holy Spirit, now we understand that they were talking about him. And he says, he, they said these things for our benefit. Then again, in Daniel, there were things that Daniel saw, visions that he saw, things he even had an interpretation on. But even with the interpretation, it didn't really make sense. And God told him, I'm locking these things away until the last days. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna show my people what this is in the last days. Mysteries can't be solved without God. We're not talking about Sherlock or anything like that. I'm talking about the mystery of what God has and what he has not yet revealed. You couldn't figure out, but when he reveals it, everyone who believes, everyone who allows him can have their eyes open. Jesus said this when he spoke in parables. You know, I grew up, and how many Christians told me that, that Jesus spoke in parables to make it easier to understand what he was talking about? But you know when the disciples said, Jesus, why do you just talk in parables? Why don't you speak plainly? He says, I'm speaking in parables so that they don't know what I'm talking about. It's like the opposite of what they told me. I feel ripped off. You see, even Jesus told stories because stories help us understand. A little spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. No, he spoke in parables because the people that were just there for a show had no clue what he's talking about. We talked about it so many times. He tells the parable of the sower, and, and, and he never gives the explanation. So all he told is a little farming story, and everybody goes home going, he didn't even talk about God. 
His disciples following him up and they say, what do you mean by that? And he says, to you, it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So you have to, to, to know the mysteries, you have to have it granted. It has to be given by God. He says, to them, they don't. And then he went back to the prophecy. He says, so seeing they won't see, hearing they won't hear, and they'll not understand. He says, because if they did, and he goes on, he says, they've shut their eyes. They've closed their ears. They've hardened their hearts. And if they were to open their eyes, if they were to open their ears, if they would open their hearts, they would turn and I would heal them. Sometimes revelation is the key to your healing, is the key to you being free. But you have to first open your eyes, let God open your ears, let God open your heart. And that doesn't happen by being a little bit smarter than everybody else. That happens by being humble enough to recognize that it's only God that can open your eyes. When Peter said, I believe you're the, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter. No person on the planet could have helped you figure that out. But my Father in heaven revealed it to you. And on that rock, I'm going to call you, I'm not going to call you Shimon, which means reed. I'm going to call you Peter. I'm going to call you Cephas. I'm going to call you Petros, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. Look what he says. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. So God had this mystery since before the beginning of time for our glory, and now it's being revealed. Look what, it's, look what he says. He says, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, what rulers is he talking about? You see, he could be talking about earthly rulers, but I don't think that lines up with the next thing that he says. If they had understood it, they would not have crucified him. See, who was it hidden from? The enemy. The, the, it was the rulers of darkness. It was the principalities and powers that he talks about. You ever thought about if, if, if a natural man could not understand a parable, that the devil must have been confused by parables too? What the, what's he talking about? Can you ever think that... <laughs> We just think the devil is so smart, but you, you figure out that, that he probably doesn't understand this Bible as well as you do. Because without the Spirit of God, some things you just don't get. And look what he says. He says, if they had known the rulers of this age had understood it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Because that was their undoing. That was the defeat. It's the worst thing you could have done. But just as it is written... Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard. And which have not entered the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who love him. Now look at this. For to us, God revealed them. He uncovered them. That's what's got to happen. He's got to reveal this to you. You can't get it on your own. He's got to uncover it for you. It's covered up. He's the only one that can lift the cover off. Now, look what it says. God revealed them through the Spirit. That's how you get it, through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? So, you know, your friends don't know what you're thinking, what you're thinking, what you're thinking. They can guess. They might know you well enough to, to have a good idea of what you're thinking. But the only one who knows what's in the depths of your heart is you and God. He says in the same way, the only one who knows the depths of the heart of God is the Spirit of God. 
For the Spirit searches all things. He says this, even the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you just can't break through something, you just can't get free, you can't, just, you can't lay hold of something that God's already promised until you really get a revelation of his word? Have you ever noticed that? Like there's certain things that you'll still, you'll just come up against and you'll come up against and you'll come up against. And then one day you open your Bible and it, oh, comes alive to you. And from that moment on, poof, everything's different. You ever notice that? You know why? Because there are things that he's freely given to you, but the only way you're going to get what he's given is if you know what he's freely given. And the only way you know it is if it's revealed by the Spirit of God. So freedom, once again, man, I didn't know how this was going to tie in with this morning, but it sure did. Freedom doesn't come from information. Freedom comes through revelation and the power of God. What did Jesus say? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, he doesn't say you'll know the truth like you'll, you'll have a, you'll, you'll, you'll learn it like you're studying for a test. That word to know in that context is talking about knowing like experiencing, like knowing like you know your spouse. Knowing like you know your friends, knowing like you know your father and mother, knowing them by being around them, knowing them on a different level. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He says, we got to know the things freely given to us by God. That's why we've been given the spirit of God. In verse 13, which things we also speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom. No, when he says we, he's talking about him and the other apostles that have come to preach to the Corinthians. He says, we speak these things, but we don't speak in words taught by human wisdom. You know, there are a bunch of ministries out there that make a big deal about reasoning. And reasoning is good. But our natural mind can't reason with the spiritual mind, and they both come out agreeing at the end of time. There are, there are ministries out there, friends. There are people out there that condemn things of the Spirit because they're not logical. Yeah, it's not logical. What about, what about a man dying on a cross to save the world is logical? What about a man being dead for three days and on the third day rising again? What about that is logical? What about, what about any of this is logical? Do you know what? It would be logical if your brain was the size of God's, but it's not. Like I said, I've said this before, so forgive me for repeating myself, but you know, when a flea looks at you, you're not logical to a flea. A flea doesn't say, oh, I know why they're doing that. Of course, that makes sense. To your dog, you're not logical. Your dog looks at you on a Sunday morning like this and goes, why are you going outside? Maybe your dog says, can I come too? But you're not logical to a lower species, are you? They'll look at you and they go, I don't know why you do what you do. Ants look at us and go, huh? They probably don't even go, huh? They just, you know, just go on with their life. Please don't crush me. But if they tried to understand us, they never could, could they? Well, that's what it's like. That's, we are, we're even further. I mean, we are created in the image and the likeness of God. But we are limited. We are not God. We're not infinite. We're not all-knowing either. And so, so all of these things have to be revealed. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like we live in a two-dimensional world and God is a three-dimensional figure. 
And in order for us to understand him, he came in a two-dimensional figure to explain himself to us. And then he comes, and he comes in this two-dimensional figure, and he, and he explains to us that there is another dimension. There's another world. There's, there's, there's another dimension in this. Now, we're just walking around like those cardboard characters going, what in the world is he talking about? And then he dies, and he rises again. He fills you with himself. And all of a sudden, he opens your eyes to another world. Now, when you try to explain that to your friends, sometimes it's tough. You have to be able to trust that the same God that opened your eyes can open the eyes of your friends and your family. They can't be argued into it. And here's what it says. So these things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Another translation says, speaking spiritual things to spiritual people. There are things that we teach, there are things that we preach that can only be spoken by the Spirit and can only be received by the Spirit. What's spoken by the Spirit must also be received by the Spirit. So he says, when we talk about this, guys, it's like in spiritual words, we're combining spiritual wisdom, spiritual words, and we are, we are communicating this, but you've got to understand, it's not going to look, it's not going to be logical, it's going to be supernatural, and you're going to need God to understand it. He says, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot, do you hear that? It doesn't say he won't. It says he cannot understand them. The things we don't understand, we criticize. The things we don't understand, we attack. But he says a natural man, somebody who doesn't have the Spirit of God or is not without the aid of the Spirit of God, they can't understand this stuff because they're spiritually appraised. A natural man does not accept the things of God. So here's the question. You are not a natural person. You're supernatural, aren't you? You're filled with the Spirit of God. You're born again. You're not normal, and you should never try to be. But if you're not normal and you're not spiritual, why do we shift back to trying to grasp this with our brain? I'm telling you, your brain's important. Do not leave your brain at the door, but trust that the Spirit of God is the only one that can reveal certain things to you. So every time, guys, I'm telling you, every time you pick up your Bible, you ask the Lord, Lord, reveal some things to me. You said that I need one teacher, and that teacher is the Holy Spirit. And that the anointing abiding within me is able to teach me all things. God, I admit, I don't fully understand this. So, Lord, will you reveal this to me? Will you open my eyes to your word? You will be amazed when you read through that, how God makes it come alive to you. Even one verse, two verses, three verses. How there are just certain things that you thought you understood, but you don't. He says... But he who is spiritual appraises all things. In other words, looks and examines things and goes, oh, I know why that's happening. I know why that's happening. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Nobody has the mind of the Lord, but we've got the mind of Christ. Yes. Through Jesus, because in chapter 1, he says Jesus has become our wisdom, yes. our sanctification. Our redemption from God. Now I want to read you something from Daniel. Can you turn to Daniel with me? The wonderful book of Daniel. Daniel and his buddies had become uh, captives. In fact, 
All of Judah had fallen under Babylonian rule, and they had been taken away from their homeland. And the Babylonians did it in stages, and some of the first people they took, now they took, they took the nobles, everybody that was of royal blood they took. They took the skilled craftsmen and laborers. They took everybody that had a real good skill or a place in society, and they took them first. So the people that were left behind were kind of the people that weren't going to do them a bunch of good. They'd come back for them, but they started with these key people, number one, because they wanted them for their own society, but number two, and probably bigger, they didn't want these guys to come up with a way to rebel. So they first brought them back home. They bring Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They bring them to Babylon, and they make them live there. You guys know how they brought Daniel and his friends, and they said, you're going to learn our language, you're going to go to our schools, you're going to eat our food, and you become, become one of us. We're going to train you, and you're going to work in, our, work in our system. And Daniel said, we got a different way. God showed us we're going to do it differently, and if you'll let us, I'll show you. We'll pass your tests. We'll do better than the other guys, and they did. But then there was a moment in history where almost everything crumbled apart for these guys because Daniel had done well, and he'd been promoted, and, and he, was, he was seen as wise, but uh, the king, nevertheless, was tormented. Now, the king would keep around him a group of people called wise men. In fact, they were called the Magi. Now, you, it's interesting enough because in, East, in Eastern history, you see these people pop up, a class that were wise, that counseled the king, and they were different in different societies. So they were like this in Babylonian societies, like this in Parthian society. And, and, and so it wasn't Babylonians. Babylon was gone when the, when the Magi came in the Christmas story. But those Magi even would have, would have come from a line and they would have honored some of the teachings of, of the Magi that came before them. And Daniel at one point was called chief of these. He was called Rob Mag, which means chief of the Magi. So even the Magi that came to see Jesus probably had heard some of Daniel's prophecies. That's beside the point. It's not important. What, you, what is important is he had a group of people that were supposed to be able to tell him what his dreams meant. We're supposed to know some spiritual stuff. We're supposed to know uh, what he should do next that would consult the gods or whatever. Consult the stars. Daniel and his buddies get thrown into a certain group where they're being trained. And here's what happens in chapter 2 of, of Daniel. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and they stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, the command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. Now, somebody could say that today and we go, oh man, he's ticked off, he's mad. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar's not using metaphors here. <laughs> you know, you might say, oh, you tore him limb from limb. No, that guy still has arms and legs. Right. When Nebuchadnezzar says it, this guy's not going to live through it. And there, there's going to be a stump left and there's going to be limbs scattered. 
He's not making a joke. He's not making, he's not exaggerating. He's not using hyperbole. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. And you know what the proof of that is? They did that kind of stuff. They did that kind of stuff. He did. He would go to, and they would go to his house and burn down his house and turn it into rubble. This was something, I mean, you know, later when the Persians came along, we think Esther was brave. Esther was super brave because her husband, Xerxes, when he was coming to invade Greece, and he started to build a bridge to cross this channel so that he could go and invade, and his bridge fell down in the middle of a storm. Do you know what Xerxes did? He had everybody that made the bridge beheaded. Then he said, take chains and throw them on the water. I'm binding the water. Now, the water shall be given 10,000 lashes. This was not unusual for kings of that day. So when you hear Nebuchadnezzar go, I will tear you limb from limb, and I will destroy your house. It's not like a sweet, oh, man, he's mad. This will happen. You're going to burn your house down. Verse 6. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time, <laughs> because you know what he's saying. They're saying, just tell us the dream. We'll kind of try to figure out what it means. You know, you can bluff anybody. They tell you a dream. You can say, oh, I think it means, um, I think it means uh, there's something coming up in your life. You can bluff them. Nebuchadnezzar knows these tricks. He says, no, 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 you tell me the dream. You just, just tell us the dream, Nebuchadnezzar, and we'll tell you what it means. He says, no, that's too easy. Tell me what I dreamed. Then you can tell me what it means. <sighs> that's pressure, isn't it? <laughs> and nowadays, you can go buy a book. Oh, I think this symbolizes this, and I think this symbolizes this. These guys had no chance. And Daniel didn't look at a book, and Joseph didn't look at a book. You know what they looked to? God who reveals mysteries. He says this in verse 7. They answered a second time and said, uh, let the king tell the dream to his servants and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you're bargaining for time. Inasmuch as you have seen the command from me is firm, I'm not changing this, that if you don't make the dream known to me, there's only one decree to you, decree for you. For you have agreed together to speak lying, corrupt words before me until the situation has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream that I might know that you can declare to me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, Ah, oh, there's not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king. Inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Why? Because you're limited. But God's not limited. Even evil spirits are limited. Do you know even evil spirits couldn't read that man's dreams? Because those dreams didn't come from evil spirits. They could tell you. Oh, I'm sure they could tell you the dream if they're the one that stuck it in your head. But this dream came from God. They got no clue what it is. They got no clue. He says this. He says, moreover, the thing in verse 11, which the king demands is difficult. And there's no one else who could declare it to the king except God's, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Daniel and his friends just got 
were just blessed enough to join the club at the wrong time. Well, we've been trained to be a wise man. I passed the test. I passed my apprenticeship. Good job, buddy. By the way, king just passed a decree. You're all going to die. Oh, man. Why, why didn't I try out for engineering? <laughs> then Daniel replied with discretion, that's important, and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, uh, for what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to the house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter. So they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then, look at this, verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel. See, there is not a mystery in the world. It's not a mystery unless God is going to reveal it at some point. Did you notice that God didn't force revelation on Daniel? He didn't force anything on him. Daniel had to ask. Why do you think, as Brother Jimmy said last week, why do you think, you know, the Apostle Paul had to pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened? If he didn't, if he, I mean, if he prayed it, it must not be an automatic thing. You've got to ask the Lord, give me revelation. I don't understand this. I don't get it. I don't see what's going on here. I know there's something going on I don't see. Open my eyes, Lord, and he will. If you have, a tr if you have trouble understanding this Bible, can I tell you it's not your translation? Now, maybe you've got the King James and you don't speak Old English. Okay, maybe that might be a problem. But most of the time, it's not a translation. I'm in favor of making this the simplest to read in the language we have using words that fit the words that it was translated from. However, I think words should be translated well. I don't think you should dumb down concepts. I think there are certain things, no matter how simple the language is, that you won't understand except by the Spirit of God. So you need to have revelation. The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Listen to what Daniel says to God. He says, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and he establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men. Do you hear that? You're not wise because you figured something out. You're wise because he gave wisdom to you. And a wise man will seek wisdom from the Lord. Because a fool says in his heart, there is no God. He says, he reveals wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. Oh, I love that. God knows what's in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. So for every dark space in your life where things are happening, you don't know why they're happening, where there's confusion, where there's all these other things, the light dwells with God. And if you'll invite God into that space, the light will dispel the darkness. And some things you have not yet conquered because you don't understand what's going on. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like that kind of... There are some things you're still fighting because you don't know what you're fighting. 
There are things you're dealing with you got no clue what you're dealing with. So you don't know how to fight it. It's darkness to you. Do you know darkness is, just, is not in the Bible just bad stuff. Darkness means what, where you can't see. You don't know what's going on. There's no vision. And where there's no vision, the people perish. So there's great darkness. And he says, God knows what's in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. And when he steps into the dark place, the darkness flees because that's where his light is. So you need to seek him. You know, there were a group of people, and, and throughout many of the books in the New Testament, you see uh, the, this group of people, the Gnostics, addressed, or at least their teaching is addressed. And one of the things that they taught was that there is, oh, it's nice that you guys got saved. It's nice that you got some wisdom, but there's a secret wisdom. We know some things you don't know. You have to join us. You have to come, come for a while. We have to elevate to this level, to this level, to this level, and then we'll let you in our secret club, and then we'll tell you the secret wisdom. <laughs> if you read the letter to the Colossians, and you know that's what he's talking about many of the times, it comes alive to you. Because he says to them, he goes, here's a bunch of people taking their stand on visions they've seen, things they know no one else knows. And he says, they're not holding fast to the head. And it's foolishness. In another place, he says this. He says, don't you realize they're not holding to the fast of the head, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's saying, why are you looking to them for secret wisdom? Because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. He is offering you the dumbest of the dumb can know the wisest of the wise things. That's what 1 Corinthians 1 is all about. God picked dumb people. God picked weak people. God picked hicks. And he said, I want to reveal to you my wisdom. And he made them confound the wise. So the wise look at them and go, well, golly, what in the world? <laughs> the wisest of the wise can't figure out why you're doing what you're doing, why you know what you know, because God revealed it to you. And he purposely picked, I mean, don't be offended by this, but he purposely picked people that the world would go, what, them? Now, maybe some of you started out wise. Some of you started out, you know, pretty fancy. Well, what did you have to do? You had to become like everybody else. Humble yourself. Become like a baby. Be born again. There's a, there's a reason Jesus uses that term with Nicodemus. John 3.16 was not preached to the masses. It was in a quiet, hidden midnight meeting that no one else was invited to. Jesus meeting with Nicodemus, who was too ashamed to meet with Jesus in the daylight. And he says, Jesus, what must I do? To enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, highly educated, highly respected. Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He says, how can I be born again? I got to enter the womb again. You see, his, he goes straight to his brain and can't process what Jesus just said. You look through that whole, sometime go back to John 3 and look through that whole conversation. Jesus talks about, he says, you know, pe the people who are born of the Spirit are like the wind. You don't know where they're going. You don't know where they've come from. It's blowing Nicodemus' mind. But he says, you've got to be born again. You've got to become like a baby. So <laughs> whether you, you have like a third grade education or whether you have like five degrees in your pocket, we all got to become like a baby and let God teach us and be humble enough to let some stuff be revealed to us. Look what Daniel says in verse 23. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and power 
Even now you've made known to me what we have requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and spoke to him as follows, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I've seen and its interpretation? Then Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, however, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. <laughs> Can you imagine being King Nebuchadnezzar and have your dream told back to you? Not just what I think the interpretation is. Here's what you dreamed. Here's what you were thinking on your bed. You notice many times this happens throughout the book of Daniel. A king will bring him in and says, I hear you tell, I hear you interpret dreams. I hear you have wisdom. And Daniel always responds and goes, no, I don't. But I know a God who reveals mysteries. Same thing. Pharaoh says to Joseph, I hear you interpret dreams. Joseph says, "Mm mm-mm. But I know a God who reveals mysteries. I'll give you some wisdom on this. I've talked about this before, but there are some great books talking about dreams good books. There's some good books that explain some things to you, but can I tell you, a book will not tell you what your dream means. There are, let me just follow me on this, there are normal psychological patterns where if you're thinking about this at night, this will show up this way in your dream. And that's normal, and medical science has, has, has developed and, and has recognized patterns and, and, and somebody can tell you these things and say, I think this is what you're dreaming. And you go, whoa, man, yeah, that's exactly what, that's what I've been going through. All they're doing is interpreting your soul. All they're doing is, is telling you just medically, just from a scientific perspective. Usually when people dream this, it means this. But when a dream comes from God, he may use a different symbol this time than he used this time. This may mean something here that it never meant here. Even, so, so I just want you to hear this. Just going to leave it at that. But the only two major dream interpreters in the Bible, now I believe this is something from God. I believe God speaks through dreams. The only two that we really see in the Bible, both of them did not consult their own knowledge, did not consult their own books. They looked to God. So if you have a dream and you don't know what it means, it's not wrong to bring in your brothers and sisters, bring somebody you trust and say, can you help me with this? But don't go to a book and say, this usually means this and usually this means this. That's just psychological stuff. That's the same as going to a psychotherapist. Go to the Lord. I know a God who reveals mysteries. Because the answer is not in your soul. The answer is in your spirit. I got a little on rabbit trail there, but I felt it was important. Many of you are in the place where you open your Bible and you go, it's tough to get into this. I don't get most of this stuff. When I come to church, I understand some of it, not all of it. 
Sometimes I just sit there and go, ha, ah, these guys just, I don't know. And you go home and you open your Bible and go, ah, I don't get this. Can I tell you there is a Holy Spirit who wants to be your teacher? Do you know every time I get up and preach, I understand something. I'm not your teacher. I am a teacher, but it's the Holy Spirit who's your real teacher. So every time I speak, I'm fully aware that each of you are being spoken to by God if you've had your heart open. And it's not me. You're not hearing my words. You're hearing the words of the Spirit. That's why 10 different people can come up to you and say, oh, man, I'm so glad you talked about that. I mean, that was exactly what I was asking the Lord. And each 10 of them got something different from the sermon. Why? Because they're hearing what the Spirit is saying to them. There are sometimes I go, were you in the same service as I was? <laughs> really? Do you know what Pastor Jonathan talked about? He talked about this. I go, I, I did? No. I'll look out and listen again. I don't think that's what I was talking about. Why? It was what God was teaching you in that time. Allow God to open your eyes. Allow Him to open your ears. Allow Him to open your heart. You're going to have to be humble about this. If you've never enjoyed reading the Bible, try it. I learned this trick. Josh, Josh actually was the one that really, that really brought this out to me because he would just sit down and he'd say, Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that you open my eyes, you open my ears, you open my heart, and you allow me to understand this, you teach me something. And he said it came alive to him after that. He was one of those guys, hated reading the Bible. I mean, just couldn't understand it. He, op- he asked the, the, the Lord, and the Lord opened his eyes. Well, it doesn't matter how, how educated or uneducated you think you are, we all need to do that. And if it's never been exciting to you, you, just, you, weren't, you were reading in your own self. Read with the Holy Spirit. Let him teach you. Stuff will come alive. Not only that, but there are things in your life that you need to know. There are mysteries that must be revealed. Seek God. Don't get flaky. Don't get weird and flaky about some secret thing you know that no one else knows. No, 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 no. Trust God. He's going to open the eyes of your heart. He's going to open the ears of your heart. He's going to open the heart of your understanding. And there's going to be things you didn't understand before that you understand now. We have a God who reveals mysteries. We have a spirit. I want you some time to go. If you've got a concordance, go and look up the word mystery. See how many times it's, it's, it's in the New Testament. It's all over. Especially in Ephesians and Colossians. Mystery, mystery, mystery. And there's never a mystery that's not revealed. To us, this mystery has been revealed in these last days. God reveals mysteries to you. The apocalypse is a good thing. Apocalypse doesn't mean the end of the world. Apocalypse means revelation. So you, somebody asks, you can tell them we talked about the apocalypse today. No, just kidding. We talked about mysteries and a God who reveals them. Amen? Stand up with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You reveal mysteries to us. God, you are a God that doesn't leave us in the dark. You don't leave us in the dark wondering. You, you are a God that answers prayer. You are a God that opens eyes and opens ears and, and tears off the blinders off our eyes. So in the name of Jesus, for everyone that desires it, I ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes. If there are scales in our eyes that, have, that cause us to not be able to see the light of your truth, Lord, remove those scales.